0: I'm Lisa Stone. Thank you for joining us for this edition of Parenting Aces. Welcome to the Parenting Aces Podcast, brought to you by TennisBalls.com. I'm your host, Lisa Stone, and we have another great show for you this week. Our guest is Harsh Mancad, and Harsh has been on the show before, so uh, if you've heard him on this uh, podcast in the past, I I know you're going to be excited to hear from him again. We have a few interesting topics to tackle today, and I'm really excited to jump in with him. Harsh is from India. He came to the U.S. to play college tennis at the University of Minnesota. And interestingly, I don't think I mentioned this last time he was on, but um, when I was at the University of Minnesota at the end of last year, I was actually sitting at the indoor courts and, and saw Harsh's name on the wall, which was really exciting for me. So, um I'm I'm so happy to have him back on the show and you guys don't need to hear from me. Let's bring Harsh on and get this party started. Harsh, thanks so much for being with us again. You've been a busy guy traveling all over the place. So I'm I'm glad you've taken a little time out of that schedule to, to chat with parenting aces.
1: Yes. Thanks, Lisa. Thanks for the invite. It's always great to come on the show and Talk about player development with you, and uh, you know, it's very exciting. Uh, I have been traveling a lot. It, I kind of feel uh, like I'm back on the back on the ATP tour, <laughs> so. But uh, it's been great, and I'm looking forward to the conversation uh, this this morning.
0: Fantastic. Well, let's start out with um, your most recent travels, which was to the tennis industry conference and. Uh, I know you've been posting a lot on your Facebook about people you met there and things that you saw and heard. Maybe you can share a little bit about uh, a little bit of that with the Parenting Aces audience.
1: Yeah, absolutely. It's uh, it's an annual conference. This year it was in Orlando. It's uh, put up by the Tennis Industry Association, which uh, releases the market data for the tennis industry. So they're sort of a leading organization in terms of everything that's happening in the industry. And, uh, you know, it's, it's interesting, I was first thinking whether I should go or not, and, and, but I'm so glad that I went because it's really the one key conference that brings together a lot of tennis uh, facility owners, general managers, directors of tennis, uh, and then other leaders in the industry, uh, as well as a lot of companies, you know, a lot of new companies, and then the established companies. So it was a great uh, sort of combination Uh, And uh, for me, it really opened my eyes up to all of the relevant topics in the industry. Um, So I'll touch on one or two key ones. The the theme of the the conference was around innovation. And uh, there's a lot going on in the innovation space, uh, particularly in technology. A lot of new uh, devices, uh, wearable devices, a lot of software programs that are helping tennis uh, programs automate a lot of their services. Then products like Tenicity, which are also more focused on the player development piece and using technology to maximize the potential of players. Uh, So there's a lot going on and uh, it's good to see so much innovation and, and also encouragement from the tennis industry uh, to companies to bring new ideas and, and ultimately help tennis programs succeed and help players succeed. Um, One point on the tennis program side, I think a lot of tennis directors are looking for ways to grow their businesses, and so looking for new services and uh, trying to create new value. Uh, And I think that's where the focus really is. And and my takeaway from the conference is, you know, working on tinnicity is to support tennis programs to, create more value for their players for their customers and i think that's the way forward where everyone is going to grow so a uh, really good experience overall and uh, met a lot of people and and really come away with also the feeling that you know the tennis industry we're like a family it's, you know we're, it's a big industry but at the end of the day you know it's, it's a family there's so many people that i had met or i knew or you know it's, it's interesting how it works but uh, uh, yeah definitely got that family feeling as well well that's nice to hear and
0: you know it is such a small world I mean you know I've talked about that so many times on this podcast how you know you go somewhere and you're introduced to somebody and you start talking and you find out all these people that you know in common or that you grew up with and I, right. it's just crazy <laughs> So even for someone like you who, you know, wasn't born in the U.S., wasn't raised here, but still you go, you know, to these events and and you meet people or, or come into contact with people that have all these connections with you. It's so
1: cool. I love, I love that about our sport. Yeah. I have, a, I have a story to share on that. I was at the resource center and uh, – uh, the USTA is working with an organization to introduce uh, a, a new sport called pop tennis. It's, uh, it's very similar to, you know, paddle uh, or pickleball, but it is a lovely concept. And uh, the guy who was sort of, you know, there at the booth, uh, his name's uh, Austin Don- Donner. Um, he, he's, he's an Australian guy, lives in LA, but he started, you know, telling me about his mother who played back in the sixties and seventies and was, was one of the, top women's players in the world, and then I told them about, you know, my mother, who who was uh, India's number one tennis player, and so right away, there was a connection, you know, with uh, with our parents having played together, and, and so that's, that's how, you know, to your point, that's how the industry is.
0: Yeah, it's very cool. Well, so you said uh, the conference was in Orlando, and I know you had a chance to visit the new USTA facility. What were your impressions?
1: Well, it's uh, you know it's an amazing facility. Uh, kudos to the USDA for uh, the vision, really, to put uh, together such uh, an amazing facility. 65 acres of land in Orlando. Um, the campus is divided into you know specific focus areas. So, for example, on one part of the campus, uh, it's set up for college matches. Uh, another part of the campus is more for club matches and it's got that club feel with a lot of clay courts and and places to to meet and then there's a third part of the campus which uh, which is on around high performance and uh, so I got a tour of of the entire campus. Uh, the player development side, the high performance side uh, is really spectacular. They have uh, i think six or seven red clay courts, which is fantastic so that Uh, American players can train on the red clay. It's very relevant at this point as they get ready for the French Open and the clay court season. They've got the Australian Open surface on the indoor courts and then the outdoor hard courts, uh, the same surface as the U.S. Open. Uh, Also, fitness facilities and and really the resources uh, behind uh, all of it is is fantastic and I think a great home for, for American tennis um the, the other parts of the campus, too, just just a phenomenal facility with 100 courts. And I think opens up a lot of opportunities for tennis to grow, not just in Florida, but, uh, you know, a lot of teams across the nation come there to play and spend a weekend. So it's really great for tennis to see such a fantastic facility. And I think right. a model for the rest of the world as well as, uh, you know, other countries think about setting up a national campus. I think a visit to to Orlando uh, would be great to see how the USDA has set it up. And, and they're very open to sharing and collaborating. So that was the one point the USDA president made when, when he spoke to us, which I thought was a great point, was really being open to innovation and new ideas. And, you know, he said, if, if you have a new idea and you're running a company, come here. We'll test it out for you. We'll partner with you. So I think that's the spirit uh, It's great to hear, especially uh, someone like me, who's who's trying to bring new ideas and work with different programs, to know that the USTA is open and it's a place that I can go to and put my idea to test. Uh, I think that's that's a great message and and will drive a lot of innovation uh, in in tennis.
0: Fantastic. And, you know, I don't know if if they talked about this while you were on the campus, but The USTA Collegiate Tennis Division is hosting a college coaches combine this summer, and it's going to be held at Lake Nona. Um, I was a little disappointed in the high entry fee to participate, but I understand that there may be some grants available to players that can't afford the uh, almost $400 entry fee. So... um, you know, I, I think it's, it's nice to see USTA using that facility to promote college tennis. And you, as a former college tennis player, and me as a big fan of college tennis, I, you know, I know that this is a big step for the USTA, and I hope they'll continue to expand their offerings uh, for the kids that are on
1: that college tennis pathway yeah absolutely. I think events like this and as uh, events at a conference as well that bring people together, I would really encourage everyone who's listening in, whether you're a tennis director, a coach, even a player or a parent, to come to these events you know uh, that's where you get face to face with a lot of people, you share ideas, you learn about what's going on in the industry, and so um, you know, it's just I, I really i am looking forward to seeing more participation at, at the conference and these events. And we really, as an industry, have to bring people together. So I think when we come together over a day or two days, it just opens up so many connections. Uh, and, and, it's, and that's, you know, that's the way forward uh, for the industry. Absolutely, and
0: a big announcement came out of USTA this week, so um, I just want to make sure that our listeners know that Jay Berger announced that he was stepping down as head of player development, or excuse me, of men's coaching in um, the player development side, and Brian Boland is taking over, and Brian is the current head coach of the UVA men's team, and so this is kind of interesting to have a coach transition from the college game into the player development side. I mean, it's happened before. This isn't a first time of happening, but um, Brian is a very high-profile college
1: coach, and
0: I think it'll be nice to have him at the national campus.
1: Yeah, absolutely. Uh, Brian Boland uh, is one of the all-time great college coaches, someone I have a lot of respect for. I've had the opportunity to speak to him and, and meet him in person. Um, we actually played against his team when he was at uh, Indiana State and I was at Minnesota. So, you um, know, just a, a great a great person to, to take over uh, and uh, and lead the U.S. tennis in, in, in the right direction. So, you know, a lot of college tennis is about player development. You're getting young players uh, just, you know, out of their teens and, and the four years uh, helping to develop them into professional players. And Virginia has done a great job with that. They've got uh, you know, Somdev Varman, who was a top uh, NCAA player, played top 100 on the ATP Tour. Um, my doubles partner, Tret Huey, who's also a Virginia grad, who, who's now in the top uh, 25 in the world in doubles. So Virginia has a, has a great track record of developing players and taking them to the next level. And um, to have a leader like Brian Boland step into that position, I think it's it's going to be phenomenal for U.S. tennis and very exciting, and, uh, yeah, it's a lot of good pieces coming together.
0: Fantastic. And so this is a great opportunity to kind of segue into the meat of our conversation today and what I really want to hear you talk about, which is this whole concept of player management versus player coaching. And what is the coach's role with a developing junior player. And and you've done some writing about that on your Facebook page, and that's kind of how this topic came up. I saw your Facebook post. I was like, oh, my gosh, we need to talk about this on Parenting Aces for sure. Um, I love this whole idea of the coach as a manager. And so I'm going to be quiet now, <laughs> Harsh, and I'm going to let you <laughs> – Talk about what you see as the definition of a tennis coach versus a tennis manager as it pertains to a junior player from a beginner all the way through to a player that's transitioning to college or the professional tour.
1: Yeah, it's it's a very interesting topic. And as I work more on Tennessee, of course, I've been thinking very deeply about player development because our platform uh, fundamentally supports player development. Uh, And when you really drill deep into what coaching is and what player development is, um, there are a lot of areas where they intersect. But player development really is about a journey. It's about taking a player from where they are today to to a place uh, where, you know, you want to take them tomorrow. And that that's much bigger than coaching on the court. So I suppose when I'm talking about coaching, I'm referring more to what happens on the court when you're one-on-one with the player or the group and you're doing a drill and you're, you know, providing tips uh, and so forth. But player development is much bigger. It starts with the game assessment, having clarity on where the player is today, Uh, What are their strengths? What are their opportunities? Uh, Where do they stand relative to the competition? And and what are the key things that they need to work on? Uh, In my experience at every level of the game, there are always a, a multitude of things that you can work on. Any player, whether it's a beginning level player, a club player, an adult player, or it's the top player in the world, there's always a multitude of things that you can work on. This Player development, when you, when you talk about that, it's really the job of the coach to distill that down into the two or three things that are most important for you to work on. So it starts with that kind of thinking uh, and clarity. And once that, that is set, then it's about customizing the training, making sure that the player is working on the things that they need to work on. Uh, having a mechanism in place to to evaluate their progress, making sure that they are in fact moving in the right direction, and then learning, learning from training, learning from matches, and then that goes back into the starting point, which is the assessment. So it's really a circle, uh, and uh, you know, if we drew it out, it would start with the game assessment, it would go into training, it would then flow into assessments flowing back into learning that then again reinforces uh, sort of the objective. And you have to connect all those dots. So for a coach who's really focused on player development, uh, that, that coach is, is continuously thinking on that plan. Every, every touch point, every experience is part of that journey. Um, and so that's what player development is about, uh, and and the difference of you know as we compare it to coaching, in the sense of just coaching on the court. Coaching on the court is a is a is an isolated event. It's uh, me meeting a player and coaching them for that one hour, and, and and I might meet that player again in four days, and I might meet them again in ten days. But it's those are isolated events, and uh, and again, player development is about really connecting those events making them meaningful and part of a bigger plan.
0: So when a parent is seeking out a coach for, let's start at the beginning. Let's, let's say they're, you know, five, six-year-old. Um, they want to introduce their child to the, the sport of tennis. What are some of the questions that they need to be asking of the coaches that they interview for, for this, quote, job of,
1: of working with their child? Yeah, it's, it's a great point. I think at every level, uh, parents are evaluating the programs, right? And so, so I think the parent's role is to, to, to evaluate the right program and there's a lot of trust to make sure that their child is getting the attention they need and, and there is a methodology in, in place. And so I would ask the coaching team, uh, what their methodology is. Uh, and, you know, I think coaching teams also need to take a moment and, and take some time to really think through what is their methodology? Uh, how do they, you know, what are the key indicators that they work on? For example, right at the start, what are the three things that they try to help their players learn? Is it the point of contact? Is it the right grip and the swing? Uh, and so, so that's that's kind of the level of, of where things need to be defined. And so I think as a first step, uh, a good question is, is to get a sense of how the program really develops players, have they identified some key, uh, as we call it in in the business world, some key performance indicators? It's a fancy word, but from a tennis standpoint, uh, some key skills at each level that they would work on. So if I was to send my child to at the very start to a program, I would want to know over the next six or eight weeks uh, what exactly the program will be working with them on. Uh, So... So I think that's very important, and it ties down to a point uh, made at the at the conference uh, from an expert from the world of fitness. And what she was saying was the need for tennis to learn from fitness and put together some short-term programs that have measurable outcomes. And and what that makes uh, the tennis programs do is think a little bit more clearly and dig a little deeper on what exactly they're trying to help players with. Anytime we get some measurable outcome, it makes it very clear, very tangible, and it drives a lot of focus. Uh, And and you can be creative on on how you want to measure things, whether you want to provide a rating or you're actually counting how many shots a player can make. Um, But the point here is that at every level, that kind of clarity, I think, uh, really showcases a program and differentiates a program from other programs that are simply just taking kids and, and, you know, you're doing one thing one day, the other thing the next day. And there's a lot of emphasis on fun. And I think fun is, is really important. We we need to make tennis fun and engaging. But, but I think when, when there's a purpose and there's clarity, it becomes a lot more engaging for everyone. I mean, from a coach's standpoint, too, if I have a purpose and I know what I'm trying to do, I'm going to be much more engaged. Uh, And if I'm engaged as a coach, uh, it's likely that all my players will be engaged. But if as a coach, I'm just out there day in and day out, and I really don't know what our team's methodology is, or we haven't really clarified how we're going to coach, what we're trying to achieve, then I can see coaches, too, sort of losing engagement. And, uh, you know, we've all seen this, right? Coaches who are not engaged and just out there, the lessons aren't fun, and as a result, players aren't engaged. So I think it really starts from from having clarity on on what the purpose is, and and again, I, I you know I, I I think fun can be part of that, but just too much fun and no purpose too is is not a recipe for uh, for developing players.
0: Sure, and and by having that clarity. It also provides the parents with some sense of accountability, right, because if the coach has specified these are the things we're working on over this period of time, well, then at the end of that time period, the parents can take a look at their child and at their progress and determine whether or not this is a good fit, you know. just because a coach is great for one kid doesn't necessarily mean they're going to be the right coach for another kid. And and I think that's something that's very important to point out because I think there are a lot of parents out there that, you know, they may see um, at tournaments a kid doing really well. And so they want to move their child over to that kid's coach and things don't go so well for their child as a result. And so I, you know, choosing the right coaches is so difficult, and um, if you find the right one early on, well, you're lucky. Um, but if you don't, it's not the end of the world as long as you
1: know what you're looking for and as long as there's some checkpoints along the way, right? That, that's right, Yep, and it's a very important decision. I think every player needs a personalized plan uh, to some extent uh, because every player's needs are different, and... Uh, but but the good news is the programs that we're working with and we're supporting with city for example, Soto Tennis Academy in Spain, now they're using our system and they can show you information, uh, right? So it's not subjective anymore. They can actually show you the players' dashboard with the goals for the month. They can show you the assessments that they do. And so they can show you data. It's not just me saying... Yeah, I do a great job with players. I can show showcase my work. For example, the University of Minnesota Women's Tennis Team that we're supporting. Every player has goals. The team has goals. All of their match results, all of the learning from match matches is shared and documented, the videos. So they have a body of work that they're putting in uh, on a daily basis that they now can show the recruits. So in the case of the University of Minnesota, when they meet with a recruit, now they have a body of work that they can show. It's not just my work. It's I can show my actions. And so similarly, I think parents can ask for coaches to really showcase their work, um, you know, and, and that takes out the subjectivity. And the coaches that are doing it uh, and can showcase, I think, are going to differentiate because then you can, you know, you, you can't argue with someone who, who's showing you what they've done, and it's, it's a real live example, um, um, so, yeah. so so I think that it's you know it's great that a particular coach has built a great player, but that that to your point doesn't necessarily mean that uh, by default, they become a great coach for everyone. Um, you know as we go into group settings and a lot of there are a lot of players, it takes organization and that's where we come in with the tools that we've built to help the coaches provide uh, a degree of personalization to every player. Uh, regardless of whether there are 50 players in the group or 100 players, because I think traditionally what has happened in most tennis programs, at least that I've seen, is when they have a large number of players, they tend to focus on 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 the top the top performing ones or the ones that they think you know are the most talented. But we know that the that a lot of times the best players weren't necessarily the best juniors. Um, so we are striving really hard to help programs with providing. Uh, good attention, good feedback, timely feedback to all of their players, regardless of whether the player is performing at the time, regardless of the player's ranking. You know, every player deserves uh, a great plan, and every parent deserves great feedback. Uh, and and there's no reason in today's world, with the technology that we have, that they can't get that. And so that's the message that, uh, that I want to send, is, is for the coaches who are really committed they want to do a better job in terms of how they communicate, in terms of how they put out a plan. If they feel you know that's an area that they can get better at, uh, we'd love to work with them and and and, and support them uh, in, in this endeavor. Fantastic. So let's let's kind of go back to this
0: whole um, player development idea and this whole uh, notion of you know what. A child needs when they're first learning the game obviously is very different from what they need as they're entering the sphere of junior tennis tournaments and then they may transition again as they go through adolescence and you know once they get into let's say the end of their 14s beginning of their 16s years and then as they're entering the 18s and getting ready for hopefully college tennis play their needs change again and So this whole idea of being a manager for the player versus simply teaching them strokes and movement, you know um is really it, It's a long-term approach to coaching and developing and it's so at the point where a player is ready to to make that transition from one stage to the next, are there different aspects that we parents should be looking at or different questions we should be asking of the coach to ensure that they are still the right coach to guide our child to that next phase?
1: Yes, it's a, it's a great question. I think, you know, a couple of things. One is the fundamentals. Uh, I, I really believe the fundamentals are the fundamentals. Uh, that's the same whether you're a basic player or, or a top player. And, and and what I mean by the fundamentals is how you evaluate a player and how you take them from point A to point B. Um, of course, the skills uh, and the needs of the players change and evolve uh, and and become a little bit more sophisticated as they as they as they progress. But uh, I think a couple of points. One is the long-term approach. Uh, you're right. There needs to be this long-term approach. But once you have that big vision, let's say you have a vision for the next year or next two years and you have a vision for how you want to play or, or what your skills should be, I think it's very important to break that vision down into small into small steps. Uh, so, so having that sort of one month at a time or or three weeks at a time or six weeks, whatever that short-term period is, I think it's very important to have that in place with a clear objective uh, and how you're going to train during that time and and how exactly uh, you're going to sort of assess how you did because all of those pieces are really important. I mean, we can have this long-term vision, but if we don't have any tangible things that we can do now, uh, I think it becomes difficult to make any progress or we run the risk of just going around in circles. Uh, one of the complaints, uh, or challenges I should say that a lot of coaches have is they feel like every six weeks they revisit the same things with their players or they're saying the same thing over and over again. Uh, and so I think having clarity on, okay, you know, the next six weeks we're gonna do, we're gonna really focus on these one or two things. This is how we're going to train. These are the drills that we're going to do uh, consistently, and then here's how we're going to assess our progress. That's the kind of plan you want in place every three to six weeks. And then at the end of that, you want to assess and say how you did. uh, If things went great, uh, then you move on to the next piece. But I think one of the challenges is we we do tend to take on a lot, and, and this can happen in tennis especially at the junior level and the higher level when the players start competing um, because then you're training and then you're also experiencing what's going on in the match and there's feedback that comes back from a match and depending on how you play, uh, there's a lot of sort of reaction to that. So having a plan in place allows the team to stay focused on the big objectives and not sort of be so reactionary. Every time you know the player plays well or plays poorly, Uh, now all of a sudden there's this risk of sort of panicking and then moving on to working on your serve uh, when, in fact, you still have to improve your forehand. So uh, I'm not saying that, you know, practice shouldn't be sort of an overall practice where a player should get a chance to work on all aspects of the game. But from what I know and from what I saw was at any given point, players really used to zero in on two or three things that they really wanted to improve. And once you improve those areas, that's the time to move on to the next. Uh, so so I think having a systematic approach that is broken down into smaller steps uh, will keep everybody on the team uh, sort of focused. And so at, at the very start, there's there's a lot of focus on the fundamental skills, right? Learning the right grip, learning the right point of contact, developing the right swings, good footwork. There's so many pieces that come um, first starting with consistency. Once you're able to hit the ball over the net consistently, consistently, then you can mo- move on to, to more advanced skills, such as direction and depth and power. So I think the first few years, it's really a focus on developing a solid base for your game, being able to hit all the shots, being consistent, making the uh, contact with the ball in the center. Once those fundamentals are in place, uh, and they transition to junior tennis when they start competing. Uh, I think then you're you're looking at developing uh, sort of more advanced skills around point construction, uh, understanding how do you play to your strengths, learning from training, learning from matches. This is where we we talk a lot with our programs about you know reflection, taking some time to reflect, taking some time to learn. Uh, these are all uh, mechanisms that are put in place by by programs that are really committed to player development. They, they, they ensure that their players are learning from every from every experience. Um, so those things become more important. And, and then at the at the end of that stage, when when players are entering college tennis, then it's about really building some weapons and and uh, you know more strategy around how they're going to compete. And it's about generating insights, uh, you know, and then so we work with college programs on match analytics, really zeroing in on exactly sort of uh, certain percentages or certain tendencies and trying to pick out some one or two insights uh, that can help the player can help give the player a competitive advantage. So uh, I think it's it's very important that at the fundamental level, though, that the players have the right foundation And once the right foundation is in place, they can really, uh, maximize their potential. Like, it reminds me of a story, uh, you know, that we were just talking. I think it was a European, uh, player who was talking about, uh, their nation really channelizing their best coaches to work at the fundamental level, uh, to make sure that the fundamental skills were developed well in all of their players. Um, so that really talks about the importance of, you know, those, those ages from five to about 12 when the players are first learning the game and and learning those basic skills.
0: Interesting. It's funny. I I got an email uh, earlier this week from one of my Parenting Aces community members um, who had a question about keeping his child motivated and, um, you know, asking me to, to point him to some of my articles and podcasts that address that issue So I I want to bring that subject up in terms of the conversation we're having today, Harsh, and how using this approach, this management approach to coaching can impact motivation. Because from listening to you, it seems to me that a child who is able to see this as you said, objective feedback on each lesson or each time period, they've set goals, they've set objectives, and now they can evaluate, you know, where they are in terms of those goals and objectives, that that would help provide some sort of motivation for the child to continue to learn. Are you seeing that? Are you hearing that from coaches?
1: Absolutely. I think when we talk about motivation, there, there are a few things, and it's a relevant uh, topic right now. At, at the conference, there, there were ideas being shared on engagement is a word that that's used a lot. And of course, uh, you know there's there's a lot of uh, ideas around gamification and 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 those aspects. And I'm still skeptical of this idea of gamification, and because I, I, I deeply am a big believer in, in sort of that intrinsic motivation. I think people are motivated when they when you can spur something intrinsically, when you can inspire them. Right Because we can give badges and awards and so forth. but but is that really sustainable? And how long can you keep uh, you know providing a badge or, 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 or an award? And that's all fine, but I really don't think that gets to the core of, of what we're trying to do here. So uh, I think it's important, like you said, to have a purpose. Uh, when there's a purpose, there's a methodology, there's a program in place, and players can feel that. Uh, I think that that can be very engaging uh, to understand. You know that there's 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 a bigger plan here, and there's a journey here that I can see, and, and I'm progressing towards. I think that's very inspiring for for a lot of people, and I think that's where tennis programs need to focus on. How 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 can they create a journey? How can they give a player a sense of what it feels like to to you know to have a plan? Sometimes people tell me, you know, harsh tennisity. The first reaction sometimes to what I'm doing, they'll say, oh, oh, this is for uh, performance level players, right? Uh, And I say, no, Uh, you know, it's that Nike philosophy. Nike as a company looks at every human being as an athlete. Uh, That's their vision. And so uh, in in that same light, if we can give every player, whether they're a junior player, or an adult player, just a feel. Of what it feels like to uh, to have a plan and to have feedback and to have the kind of analysis and tools that maybe the best players in the world have, I think we can give them a sense of that and inspire them. I think that can be extremely motivating and engaging. Um, and one one additional point there, I think is about community. Um, being part of of a team, being part of a community. Uh, and so on our platform, uh, you know we, we we included a community page. And and part of the tenacity word also includes city or a place where people live and teamwork. So I think teamwork, the more programs can develop this culture of learning, this culture of being part of a team, being part of a program, learning from others, sharing ideas, uh, that can be extremely engaging for a lot of juniors as opposed to coming to a program and feeling like you're constantly competing or you're constantly trying to prove yourself or you're constantly being judged. I think that can demotivate a player. So just to summarize, I, I think there needs to be purpose, uh, a plan. We've got to take players on a journey, and we also got to make them feel like they're part of a team, that they're learning, they have support. Uh, and, and we get that right. I think it can be extremely engaging uh, for players who, who are inspired. Of course, again, there will be players for whom tennis is not their sport. They, they're more engaged in other sports, and, and that's completely fine. I don't think we should be, uh, you know, forcing them into playing tennis. Every, every child, every player should find uh, their calling and, and their right sport. So, uh, but for the ones that, that really like tennis and, and want to be in tennis, uh, I think we can keep them in tennis if we create this kind of environment. And unfortunately, uh, you know, we are losing a lot of players. Attrition is high. And, and so we have tremendous opportunity to, to improve in this area.
0: I think it'll be interesting if there's a way to track, either through tenacity or through other means, the, the retention rate to the sport when coaches use a plan like this. I mean, to me, it's just kind of a no-brainer, right? That having a plan fosters engagement. It fosters accountability, it fosters, you know, in in kids that are drawn to sport, um, I would say in the majority of cases, I don't have any scientific backup for this, but in the majority of cases, these kids are by nature competitive. And so for them to, you know, kind of compete with themselves to reach that next step in their developmental plan would be a positive thing and a and a motivator and and a reason to stay engaged in the sport. Um, it, you know, it'll it'll be fun to kind of practice and and
1: see what happens with burnout and and attrition rates. That's right. Uh, so actually, there was a, an expert called to the conference who had data on just this piece, and uh, I, I think it was uh, 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 sort of. Um, Retention was uh, in 90 percent when there was a purpose and plan, and attrition uh, sort of and it, it sort of fell down to 48 percent or 50 percent when, when there wasn't a plan. So clearly there is data showing that when there is a plan and purpose, retention is much higher and engagement is much higher. And I'd say that uh, you know engagement again, uh, the competition is good. But but what we're also thinking a lot about is is maximization of potential. And so if we can inspire uh, players to 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 maximize their potential wherever that might be, to be the best player they can be. So it's not really about me competing against someone else. Uh, it's really about me trying to bring the best out of myself and the best out of others around me. See, this is the key piece here, too, as we think of community. How can I be in a tennis program, not only be the best player I can be, but play a role in helping other players succeed? This uh, And so this community idea of everyone learning from each other, everyone inspiring each other, this can be done, uh, and of course can be done really well on our platform, but it can be done, and I think uh, we can create that kind of environment uh, can be very powerful for everyone involved uh, not just the players but the coaches as well and, and and the parents as well for sure
0: well another piece of news that came out this week that I kind of I, as I'm thinking about it in relation to our conversation today harsh Um, So the piece of news that came out was from the ITF, and and they announced uh, via press release that beginning in 2019, there's going to be a new transition tour for for junior players who are transitioning uh, from the juniors to professional tennis. And they're going to limit the number of professional players on the men's side as well as the women's side, they're only going to allow 750 professional players on each of the two tours, the WTA and the ATP, and this transition tour is is going to be used as a way to gain entry to the WTA and the ATP tour. And the reason I'm mentioning this, because Parenting Aces, we don't really talk about professional tennis all that much, but what kind of went on in my convoluted brain was what if the coaching organizations did something similar and had you know these designations of tennis teacher versus tennis coach versus tennis manager and limited the number of actual tennis managers which would you know in in my vision in my head would be the top level of the pyramid and that you as a coach would have to go through these different levels and earn your way to that highest level of manager by demonstrating that not only do you know how to teach the the fundamentals of the game, but you know how to develop a plan to take a player to his or her maximum potential, whatever that may be. What do you think about yeah. that?
1: Yeah, I think coaches' education. Uh, you yeah, know, I'd have to think a little bit more about sort of uh, the the stratification that that you mentioned and and. Uh, and regarding the professional tour, it's interesting um, why they're limiting it and so forth. But, uh, but to your point, I, I think the coach's education is, is very important, and and there are efforts being made, and you know through various organizations to to offer workshops and and help coaches develop their skills. I, I think that's that's very important. So having a pathway uh, to to go from a young coach to a more experienced coach to to uh, eventually a, a manager of player development, that, that's a very exciting pathway. And I think we can, we, you know, the industry uh, should definitely put resources behind that to help coaches sort of travel that pathway. And because continuous learning is so important, right? As we talk about coaches being engaged and wanting to be in the industry and the industry retaining the best coaches, uh, having good learning pathways uh, is a great way to to do that. Um, the one point I would say is to encourage coaches to, to move in the pathway, move from, you know, graduate from being a coach to more of a play, you know, person who develops players. I think it's in the best interest of everyone. The coach will unlock and create a lot more value. Uh, and as a result, they'll be able to grow their, their business. Um, when you're coaching, uh, there's a certain value that you're providing in, in the moment. But when you put a plan together and you take a player on a journey, there's a lot more value that that you're that you're creating, and and I believe that there is a customer segment out there that would be willing to pay more for for those value-added services. Uh, and so, as coaches, a lot of coaches at the conference were looking for ways to grow their business, uh, and I think this is this is the way you have to really start thinking about uh, providing more value to your customers, and and how are you going to give them insights? How are you going to plan their progression? Make, make sure that the progressions are right. Make sure that they're achieving their, the skills they need to, that their games are progressing. When you start doing all of that, I think you, like like I said, I think you create a lot more value. Uh, it's, it's better for your business. It's better for the players, for the parents. Uh, and and so that's where uh, I think it, it really is, you know. And, and then I think as coaches understand that. Uh, they 'll be willing to invest more time and resources into into developing players you know just just one point on sort of uh, a little bit of the culture of the industry right now is, is the central theme of of this conference was innovation and and you know innovation is not just going to happen it 's not going to fall in your lap um, so and you have to put some effort and resources uh, you know into it. When we think of innovation and new ideas and creating new value, we, we think of the technology industry, right? They, they're constantly innovating. They put a lot of time into it. They dedicated they dedicate resources into it. And so if we are going to make this jump from coaching to player development, coaches are going to have to take the time uh, to invest in it. Uh, clubs are going to have to invest in resources. Uh, it's not just going to happen if you continue to sort of only teach on the court and then once you step out of the court, um, you know, that's it. So, uh, you know, everyone is busy. Uh, but if you want to create more value, um, you know, you've, you've got to find the time uh, to, to, to do it. Um, so uh, and then that's where, you know, we can come in with technologies and so forth to make it efficient so that you're not spending 30 minutes on doing something that can be done in three minutes. So uh, so that's, that's where uh, I see things moving forward. Well,
0: I hope you're right. I hope that the coaching industry really does take to heart this message that, you know, they they have to continue learning and getting better. And I've talked a lot on this podcast and in my writing about my feelings about uh having mentors. I think having a mentor as a coach is huge, you know. I think that there are so many uh, experienced knowledgeable fantastic tennis coaches out there who would love nothing more than to share their expertise with coaches coming up but you know maybe the young coaches don't feel comfortable asking or they you know they feel like they don't need the help or whatever but in my opinion I think these mentorship types of relationships would go a long way toward achieving that goal of bringing everybody up.
1: Yeah, yeah. And and we've got to be efficient. So that's really where uh, I think there's a big opportunity to drive more efficiencies in the industry and how we communicate to players and parents, how we manage their data, how we manage their results. As we become more efficient with our time, we can be more productive with our time. And I think when you talk about player development, it's really about being productive and being efficient with your time. So it's not about doing extra work. It's about working smarter. And we want to work with a lot of coaches and programs to help them work smarter, uh, to help them be more efficient, and eventually to help them generate more value for everyone. That's how everyone is going to grow. But if we stay in the past, we just keep doing things the way we did, and we're inefficient, we're not productive, and we're not generating any new value. Then no one's going to grow. Uh, so, so uh, I think this is this is uh you know uh, the clear message. And again, I'm very optimistic because a lot of coaches uh, are are uh, you know moving in this direction. They understand uh, this deeply, and and they're committed to to doing the best they can and to learn about new technologies and new ways of. Of working to to unlock new value.
0: Well that's encouraging to hear. I'm, I'm glad that you said that. Um, so Harsh, if people want to learn more about Tenicity or if they want to find you, what's the best way to do that?
1: Well the, the best way is, uh, yeah, so thank you for that Lisa, but the best way is to, uh, to reach uh, our website www.tenicity.com. T-E-N-I-C-I-T-Y and there is uh, a way that you can contact us. Uh, if you if you message me through the website, it sends an e- email straight to to, to my email. Uh, my email is a great way: harish@tenacity.com. Facebook, LinkedIn. We're on all of the uh, social media channels. So if you want to be plugged into what Tenacity is doing, and 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 largely plugged into player development and and how we're thinking of these things and working with different uh, coaches. I think the social media is a great way as well. Um so so uh no very you know very happy to speak to any players, parents, coaches that uh, that found uh, any of these points interesting and want to discuss more. I'm always open to uh to conversations and and sharing ideas.
0: <clears throat> and just to clarify Harsh Tenacity is a platform that the way you have it set up, ideally it would be uh, an entire club or an entire program that would adopt it. But could an individual coach, an individual player set up on Tenicity
1: as well? Yes, absolutely. Actually, we do have a few customers where it's one coach working with uh, just a few players. So in that case, uh, I would encourage the coach or the player or the parent to, to contact us. We, we work with them on flexible pricing options. Um, and so it's absolutely something that a parent can also use to manage the development of their child uh, or with the help of their coach or for a coach who has a small program. We want to accommodate uh, all sizes of programs. And, and really what it is is it will be a really good support uh, to a coach who's, who's putting together a development pathway and trying to manage it with data. Uh, Secondly, we do have video and match analysis tools that are very effective in learning from videos and matches, um, and then additional tools for communication with the players and parents. So, uh, it's a holistic site uh, that that we can roll out over time uh, and help the coach drive more efficiency and be more productive, and, and again, generate more value for the players and parents wonderful. Well, Harsh,
0: thank you so much for sharing your thoughts with us today and and introducing all of us to Tenacity. I think it is a fabulous platform and I I'm, I'm so glad to hear that you went to the conference because I think that's a great environment for you to introduce what you're doing and also to obviously get feedback from others on additional features that Maybe coming in the future or um, how you can roll this out to a variety of programs and coaches and and I love that there's that feature of being able to just have an individual coach and player be part of the Tennessee community so well done and thanks for the hour and
1: uh, thanks for sharing your contact information thanks so much Lisa your encouragement has been great and you know last I think we spoke a couple of months ago and since then, we've got Soto Tennis Academy now, an international academy with 75 players and parents, and a and, uh, staff of over, you know, 10 coaches there, all on the platform using it. We've also launched with the USDA in the northern section, so we're making good progress, and uh, really appreciate the support and encouragement that, that you've offered right from day one. So um, it's exciting to to be part of this journey.
0: Well, for me, too. So thank you again for being with us. And to the listeners, thank you for tuning in to this edition of Parenting Aces. I'm Lisa Stone, and you've been listening to the Parenting Aces podcast. For tennis parents, by a tennis parent. If you like what you've heard, please subscribe to us and write a review on iTunes. For more information on navigating the junior and college tennis journey, visit us online at ParentingAces.com. As always, a huge thank you to our sponsor, tennisballs.com.